everybody. Welcome to Kampala Mean Daily Dose. I'm Lindsay Hansen, and today is January 6th. Today is the last day of this week's Come Follow Me block. If you're new to this podcast, just a heads up, I go from Sunday to Saturday with my podcast. I stop on Saturday or I finish the week on Saturday to give people who are teaching or who are preparing for their Sunday school lessons a chance to listen to everything, to digest everything so that they're prepared for Sunday. So tomorrow we're going to begin a brand new Come Follow Me block and we're actually going to jump into the Book of Mormon. Next week we're going to be studying First Nephi chapters 1 through 5. That is going to be nearly impossible to fit everything into one week. It's going to be hard just not to focus on chapter one alone, but we're going to do our best to study First Nephi chapters one through five next week. But for now, let's finish up this week's Come Follow Me Blight. But for now, let's finish up this week's Come Follow Me block by talking a little bit about the witnesses to the Book of Mormon. Something that is so important to address before we even talk about these witnesses and their experience is the law of the witnesses. God teaches in the scriptures that by the mouth of two or three witnesses shall all his word and law be established. God uses the law of the witnesses. He always has. In fact, think of the Savior's life. We know what we know about the Savior because in all of the important events that we have recorded, Christ brought witnesses to those events so that he could teach and testify. In fact, think about the Garden of Gethsemane itself. We know that Judas Iscariot at this point was not with them, so there were 11 disciples. He left eight a little further away, and then he brought Peter, James, and John closer to be closer witnesses of Gethsemane. Isn't that interesting? There were eight kind of more distant witnesses and three closer, more personal witnesses. And we see that same pattern with the Book of Mormon. We have the testimony of the three witnesses where they saw the plates and handled them. They saw an angel. They heard God's voice testify. And then we have a slightly more distant witness of the eight witnesses who saw the plates and the engravings and touched the plates. Interesting, the patterns that God sets up. And in fact, he teaches about these patterns in the Book of Mormon itself. In 2 Nephi chapter 27, we are taught about this testimony of the witnesses and how it's going to come to be. In verse 12, it says, Wherefore, at that day when the book shall be delivered unto the man of whom I have spoken, the book shall be hid from the eyes of the world, that the eyes of none shall behold it, save it be that three witnesses shall behold it by the power of God, besides him to whom the book shall be delivered, and they shall testify to the truth of the book and the things therein. Now, skeptics might look at that and be like, well, yeah, Joseph Smith was writing the Book of Mormon, and so he talked about these three witnesses as soon as he got the idea that he was going to do that. But there is something so subtle in the next verse that if you weren't really, really careful, you might not catch it. And I don't believe that Joseph could have come up with this. Listen to what it says. Verse 13, it says, And there is none other which shall view it, save it be a few, according to the will of God. And so it says no one else is going to behold it except maybe a few other people. So again, skeptics might be like, yeah, well, he also knew he was going to have the eight witnesses. So he just said, yeah, a few other people can see it. But what skeptics may not understand or may not see is that that word few, very specifically, scripturally, means the number eight. Cross-reference this scripture to 1 Peter chapter 3. Verse 20 
it's talking about Noah's Ark, right? And you might hear that and be like, okay, well, what in the world does that have to do with the witnesses? Listen to what it says. Speaking of the Ark, it says, which sometime were disobedient when once the long-suffering God waited in the days of Noah while the Ark was preparing, wherein few, meaning a few people, that is, eight souls were saved by water. And so here in this scripture in 1 Peter chapter 3, it's teaching that a few meant eight souls. Cross-reference that back to the Book of Mormon where it says, no one else is going to see the plates except a few. And that few also ended up being eight witnesses. Such a fascinating thing that just shows how much God is in the details of everything. But that is God's way. God works in the law of the witnesses. And he prepared the witnesses and prepared a way and prepared scripture to testify of the witnesses. God works through witnesses. It is so much harder to question or try to disrupt something when there are multiple witnesses that testify to the truth of something. Generally, in a court case, if you had one person, one eyewitness stand and say, this is what I saw, generally that would be enough. But to have two witnesses and three witnesses and eight more witnesses say the same thing, all of a sudden you have an ironclad case. And God was setting up that law of the witnesses here with the Book of Mormon. Now, critics of the church try to point to the character of these men and say, well, they were crazy or they were liars. There are a couple of documents that sometimes critics like to use and point out to question the character of these men. But it's so important when taking a look at anything at church history to question where did these documents come from? Most of the things that are very critical of these three witnesses came years and years and years later. They were third, fourth, fifth hand accounts of things, and they were put forth by people who were actively seeking to destroy the church not credible witnesses in and of themselves. And so that kind of document, that kind of attack can't be seen as a credible witness in and of itself. As for these three witnesses, I want you to imagine on your deathbed, what would be the one thing that you would want people to know? What would you want to say? What would you want people to hear? Well, it's interesting that all three witnesses on their deathbed testified of the Book of Mormon. All three witnesses for a time were excommunicated and not in the church. David Whitmer actually never even came back, but none of the witnesses ever denied their testimony. And not only that, they all testified with some of their last breaths that the Book of Mormon was true. A few months before he passed away, Oliver testified to his friend and said, I want you to remember what I say to you. I am a dying man, and what would it profit one to tell you a lie? I know that this Book of Mormon was translated by the gift and power of God. My eyes saw, my ears heard, and my understanding was touched. And I know what whereof I testified is true. It was no dream, no vain imagination of the mind. It was real. And then David Whitmer, along with several other people, were sitting with Oliver Cowdery on his deathbed. And David Whitmer says that he heard Oliver declare his final testimony, and he said, I was present at the deathbed of Oliver Cowdery, and his last words were, Brother David, be true to your testimony of the Book of Mormon. Now, David Whitmer is interesting because he was excommunicated and never actually came back, but he also never recanted his testimony. In fact, he always doubled down on it. He said, 
I have never at any time denied that testimony or any part thereof, which has so long since been published with that book as one of the three witnesses. I will say once more to all mankind that I have never at any time denied that testimony. I also testify to the world that neither Oliver Cowdery nor Martin Harris ever at any time denied their testimony. They both died affirming their truth of the divine authenticity of the Book of Mormon. And then three days before David Whitmer passed away, he called a doctor to his bedside and said, Doctor, do you consider that I am in my right mind? And the doctor said, yes, you are in your right mind. And David turned to his family and said, I want to give you my dying testimony. You must be faithful to Christ. I want to say to you all that the Bible and the record of the Nephites, the Book of Mormon, are true. So you can say that you heard me bear my testimony on my deathbed. Martin Harris was sitting with a friend hours before his death, and his friend asked if he thought that there was even a part of the Book of Mormon that was fraudulent. Martin Harris declared, The Book of Mormon is no fake. I know what I know. I have seen what I have seen, and I have heard what I have heard. I have seen the gold plates from which the Book of Mormon is written. An angel appeared to me and others and testified to the truthfulness of the record. And had I been willing to have perjured myself and sworn falsely to the testimony I now bear, I could have been a rich man. But I could not have testified other than I have done and am now doing, for these things are true. And my friends, that's great. It's wonderful to know about the witness and the testimony of these three men. But most importantly, you and I can gain a witness and be a witness for ourselves of the truthfulness of the Book of Mormon. God invites us to gain a witness for ourselves of this truth. And once we have gained that witness, we need to do everything in our power to hold tight to that witness and to testify of what we know. Thank you so much for listening today. If you're enjoying this podcast, make sure to follow us on social media, subscribe, like, comment, or share. This has been Come Follow Me, Daily Dose, and I'm Lindsay Hansen.